as I said before, I wanted to talk about the heart practices tonight. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and she um, she was sitting with the nuns from Aloka Vihara um, recently, and they or one of them said that their practice right now is all the heart practices. They're taking refuge in the Brahma Viharas, and the Brahma Viharas is the what we call the heart practices, and. Brahma Vihara in Pali means divine abode, so it's a place of uh, a divine place to hang out, so to speak, and uh, really a special, kind, um, compassionate, wise, anything you think of with divine as in um, really good. And so I thought I'd talk about that tonight. I, I talk about it all the time you know, being kind to yourself, being compassionate, but I haven't spent any time talking about or haven't spent time recently talking about the the heart practices themselves. So I want to do that now. I think it's it's always good. It's always relevant, but it's especially relevant right now, uh, which is probably why I talk about love and compassion a lot, equanimity a lot, because we've, we're going through pandemic and and, and the uprisings we have and the racial divide and climate change and, and um, this groundlessness of the world we're in, which is always there, but right now it's much more emphatic than it usually is. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away last night, and for those of us in Southern California, we had an earthquake. So, you know, it's... Um, I think everyone on this call, though, is finally has clear skies because I know a lot of us have been in the fire zones and so there's been the smoke and the Ruth is your sky clear yay congrats because you've been struggling with that for a lot longer than most of us in the Central Valley so that's good to hear um, so you know there's there's so much going on that it we need to really reflect on this and it's not just for us it's for all beings you know kindness and compassion for all beings so I wanted to talk about this and I wanted to look at this in a couple of different ways uh, looking at this uh, as far as ourselves is concerned that we really need to support ourselves and uh, as I said not just today but with every, just in general we need to learn how to cultivate kindness and compassion and softness for ourselves it's an internal um, an internal experience that should be kind it's so important but how often do we have a narrative that's harsh and critical and judgmental anybody anybody um, yeah a couple of hands oh, yeah. yeah that voice that's there that we're just not quite doing it whatever it, it changes that's the thing it changes all the time too so um, this 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 really wise thing to cultivate this this kindness and compassion for ourselves and it's a, it, sh it should become our go-to it's our go-to should be kindness our go-to should be oh you poor thing instead of if you only did that better you wouldn't hurt so much or you doofus or whatever it is whatever loving kind words you have for yourself there should be a go-to of softness and compassion as you would a child or a puppy or a kitten you know when you see some something struggling your your heart hopefully is touched 
And so we should we should develop that same capacity to be kind to ourselves. And there's an aspect of generosity in here. It's this willingness to be generous and open hearted. Generosity in the teachings is very, very important. Anyway, it's one of the first teachings uh, the Buddha offers to people. Um, well, it's one of the first things that's taught in Buddhism in many places is this ability to be generous because it's an antidote to craving. If you're if you're being generous, then you're not holding on. Um, and it's antithetical to uh, the way we walk through the world. The, the Our society is built on wealth. And so generosity is almost like... Uh, but it's not just financial generosity. It's financial. It's it's generosity of time and generosity of spirit and and listening to somebody, and so the willingness to to give ourselves the time um, to cultivate this compassion is an act of generosity, and and um, in the book Loving Kindness by Sharon Salzberg, she talks about generosity as one of the heart practices. So it does uh, soften our hearts and knock down those walls. Gratitude is another important heart practice. It's not one of the um, traditional heart practices, but it's really important that we that we cultivate that. It's a it's a it's a response to kindness. I do it at the end of every meditation. I did it this afternoon. Um, and the Buddha says that um, people with integrity have gratitude. So that's nice. So if you're living with integrity, if, you, integrity, if you're following the Eightfold Path, if you're learning how to be in harmony with all beings then, and practicing the precepts, not causing harm, not taking, not lying, cheating, yelling, whatever, you're in harmony or you're, um, you're, you have integrity and so then you can be grateful. Uh, it's really uh, uh, an important practice, and it's an important practice as far as neuroscience is concerned. It really benefits the brain. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. Um, and and the kindness and compassion, joy. I don't want to leave joy out of this. And equanimity, which is that balanced, uh, th that ability to be balanced with whatever shows up, should be the go-to as I said before, with um, our challenges. When we are challenged, we should be soft and kind to ourselves. Should ap and and watch if it's not. You know, even when I used to, I used to, um, I would. I I'm fairly healthy, so I was never sick a lot um, growing up or working in my working life. And if I was sick, I felt it was a personal failing it was and I would be so angry with myself over being ill and and not realizing that that was that was ingrained in me from somewhere I have nowhere idea where that came from but that was a belief I had my husband used to tell me if I had a broken leg I'd go I'm, I'm good I can just run this off you know that I wouldn't allow myself I wouldn't give myself the the uh, the compassion and I think it was on a retreat many years ago where I tweaked my back doing yoga and I just was so angry and just berated myself and this is like on a, a month-long retreat so I'm deep into practice and I'm like meh, 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 meh. and then I realized they didn't do it on purpose and so I was flooded with this compassion 
for myself, which was a totally new experience. So to really watch how it's so often not our go-to when we're in pain, whether we're in physical pain or emotional pain. There's, there's all those voices telling us we should be a different way. And instead, this invitation is to actually be generous with and kind and compassionate with our challenges. And then the last reason why we should be compassionate and kind to ourselves is just cause. Uh, period. And that's like the teaching. Um, I was in a I was in a, a, a town hall meeting on Thursday with a group of people, uh, uh, people who worked at the Chateau Marmont, who uh, were laid off at the beginning of the pandemic and. Um, we've been working with them. I work I'm in an organization that um, works with unions and and labor uh, to make sure they're not uh, taken advantage of and they get the uh, uh, you know they, that they're not screwed over, so to speak. And uh, we worked with the Chateau Marmont and then actually it was passed in the county of Los Angeles this right to return so that if you were laid off, you have dibs on being called back to work. So when they reopen, that they will bring back the people who had worked there. And there were people who worked at the Chateau for 20, 30, 40 years. So they've been highly te high tenured people there. So um, I, I was asked to do the opening talk, benediction, blessing. And I talked about that they don't have to justify you know, their uh, reason for uh, being brought back or, or uh whatever. And I told the story of the Buddha's enlightenment, which is when he was, uh, woke up, you know, had his awakening and was, uh, uh, going to go out and teach. He was beset by the armies of Mara and Mara said, who the hell do you even think you are? And he, Buddha just touched his hand to the ground and said, I am, you know, just cause that's my translation, just cause. Um, there's no justification needed because we are human, because we are who we are. I get to be treated with dignity and respect and kindness and compassion just as all beings do. We don't have to justify compassion or kindness at all. So we should cultivate this kindness and compassion just because. Just because we're we're human beings walking through samsara and it's it's challenging. This is as uh, as um, Sylvia Borstein said when she was talking about the second or the first and second noble truth. She goes, everybody is challenged. All beings are challenged. Which brings me to moving into why we should cultivate this kindness and compassion for others, for all beings, because all beings have challenges. You know, I don't want to be. Um, uh, the Buddha said, you know, we don't want to carry harden our hearts to other beings. We have to be willing to be compassionate and kind, put down our weapons and offer kindness and friendliness to all, all beings. That doesn't mean we take their crap. That doesn't mean if people are causing great harm or are, are caught up in greed and, and um, hatred and ignorance that we say, oh, that we don't, you know, give them a pass. But we don't want to carry that rage and anger in our hearts. Um, we want to come from a place of wishing well for all beings. That's the that's in um, the the Metta Sutta, where it says, 
we wish well for all beings, omitting none. That's a, I find that's like a huge line, omitting none. Kindness, compassion, omitting for all, omitting none, including ourselves. We're included in that. Um, the wise intention in the Eightfold Path, part of it is, is moving through the world with goodwill. With goodwill, we have goodwill towards all. Um, not wishing well is aversion. It's carrying that aversive quality in our heart, and that's one of the blocks to enlightenment, to liberation, to freedom. We may not realize it. We have these ways of justifying and rationalizing, but internally, it's it doesn't do us any any good. And if we're on this path to really awakening, um, it's it's important to let that go. It's important to uh, see that as a separation. That aversion separates us from other beings. And and what we want to do is break down those walls, those barriers that separate us. And again, I'll talk more about that. And I also want to acknowledge that there is a lot of anger. There is a lot of rage right now. And it makes perfect sense. Absolutely makes perfect sense. And I, abs and I honor that. I honor that anger. I honor that rage. There's been a lot of violence. Uh, there's been a lot of horror uh, uh, committed, but there's been a lot of lot of awful, awful uh, things that have happened that uh, uh, are 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 inflicted that we inflict on each other, and so there's rage that goes along with it. But the invitation is to tr acknowledge that. We don't deny our anger. Absolutely. It's like, hello, it's here. Yeah, I walk around screaming fuck you a lot of the time myself um, at the TV primarily. But to not let it consume us. I think that's important. I, th I can't remember where it was, but it might be Vajri. Oh, Lama Rod Owens wrote a book, Love and Rage. And he talks about using that anger as a springboard to action. You know, not letting it consume you, but to use it as a springboard to action. So not, you not don't become the people that you're fighting against. Um, the Reverend James Lawson talks about that a lot. Uh, don't become the people you are fighting against or working against. The, the people who are caught up in greed, hatred, and delusion. Don't become them. So this cultivation of compassion is really important. This cultivation of goodwill is really important. And if it's so impossible to uh, develop that, because if you've done the heart practices and the invitation in the traditional way we do it is to um, use different categories of people, like starting with ourselves, we offer ourselves loving kindness, and we offer loved ones and neutral people like people we kind of know or not, familiar strangers, and then difficult people. We want to offer difficult people kindness and compassion. Sometimes it's really hard, because, especially with the people who have harmed us greatly. And so what I would say is um, entertain the idea that it might be possible someday. I think that's really important. Don't, don't make this something that is another thing to judge yourself about. That is that makes no sense. This practice is not about um, causing more suffering or discomfort, but just recognize it's like, wow, this one is tough. It may take a few lifetimes. Took the Buddha a few lifetimes, according to tradition. Took him multiple lifetimes to develop these qualities. So 
cut yourself some slack too and just say, you know what, maybe not today, but I'm going to entertain the idea that someday it will be possible or I can move in that direction. I think that's helpful. Um, and again, we are kind, compassionate to others just because. If it works for us, it works for them. If it works for them, it works for us just because. Because we're all human beings in this in this realm, um, uh, just trying to get through. So, a lot of stuff gets in the way. A lot of stuff gets in the way. Our fear, our doubt, um, shoulds, undeserving. Um, it goes against our conditioning. This just because goes against our conditioning. Yeah, but they should. You know, we have these rules of behavior. Uh, and so many times people fall outside of those rules of behavior. Therefore, they are worthy of our disdain. It's easier to other people. It's very easy to other people. And we want to uh, try not to get into that. Um, and again, I'll talk about that in a second. Anybody else have any any any? Um, any awareness of what gets in the way of you offering loving kindness for self or for others? That's okay. You can think about it. But it's there. I know it's really hard, especially when we're doing it for self. It can be, oh, I don't, I, I haven't, I haven't, um, measured up yet we haven't measured up yet and so to just just recognize that and that experience of judging ourselves or judging others is worthy of kindness is worthy of compassion it's guilt remorse it's worthy of kindness it's worthy of compassion we've all done stuff in our lives we've all hurt people we have all caused harm Absolutely, every single one of us. And so to bring some forgiveness in, forgiveness is, I, I don't know how I didn't write that word down. Forgiveness is a really important part of this practice as well, forgiving ourselves and offering kindness and compassion. Because we didn't do it, I think most of us don't do it because we're, we're awful people, but we're doing it because we're caught up in greed and hatred and ignorance. And we don't see it. And we're grasping and we're caught in clinging and we cause harm. And a lot of other people are caught in that same mindset too. And that's why they're causing harm. So understanding that. Um, these practices are unconditional. I remember the first time I heard that. That it's unconditional. There's no, uh, you just get, you just have to do it. Omitting none. Omitting none. And this practice um, is a practice that um, reduces separation. It, it's, it's, um, it reduces separation. It doesn't cause separation. It doesn't cause suffering. And I, I want to talk about this a little bit. It's almost the paradox of practice. I don't know if it's a paradox, but, um, you know, I, I say often that when I was able to really bring compassion to myself when I had that insight at the retreat where I was able to be compassionate towards my own pain I started recognizing compassion for others I mean 
I would be so cynical and sarcastic. And, and it's an easy, safe place to be when you're there because you don't have to feel. But when we start feeling, it can be a scary thing. It's like, what if I get overwhelmed by feelings? And I was talking about, um, I do a, a, with Marianne, my, my dear friend and colleague, we're doing a, a monthly group called Women in Whiteness where we investigate our identities as racial beings and how racism shows up in our, in our own being and how we move through the world and, and to, to learn how to mitigate the impact of that. And I was, I was uh, this month we are talking about decolonizing the mind and I, and I listened to a talk by uh, um, a man named Dr. Dr. Michael Yellowbird and he was pretty much talking about colonization pertaining to indigenous people in the United States and he was describing the colonized mind and and then he got into neuroscience which I thought was incredibly interesting and he was talking about how indigenous people in the United States have had contemplative practices for thousands of years ceremony you know meditation chanting that's all part of uh, it's a spiritual 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 contemplative practice and so important and he was talking about how um, uh, the colonizers don't have that. They didn't have that. And he talked about in the brain, when you have, uh, and I wrote it down because I don't speak neuroscience, and he talks about contemplative practice, practices like mindfulness impact something called the temporal parietal junction. And this temporal parietal junction is acted, activated during meditation. And it gives you the ability to perceive emotional and mental states of others. So it cultivates empathy, compassion, empathy. It, 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 um, separation disappears. And you begin to develop emotional awareness. So when you... I mean, then you can start having empathy for the suffering of others. And if you are practicing like mindfulness or some kind of contemplative practice, you're going to support the activation of this particular part of the brain. And he was showing pictures of brain scans and stuff. Um, and when the parietal lobe goes quiet, this sense of separation, our identities as spatial beings, like this is a... This is a little table and this is my cushion. That separation kind of dissipates. He talked about um, in his tribe, they have a, uh, uh, a ceremony that the elder men do where they, they speak to a, a, a sacred cedar. And they go out and he says, they go out not just for a day or a week or a month. They do it 90 days in a row and they sing to the cedar. And he said they're at this at a certain point in time, there is no separation. There is no separation between the cedar and themselves. And that's when you, when people are um, stricken with grief over the, the condition of the planet, over, over climate change and the destruction, when that is because you have these parts of your brain that are activated or quiet. I get whatever. You know what I'm saying. When these 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 um, these parts of the brain are impacted because of the contemplative practices, there's no longer an othering. There's no longer an othering of me and you because of these these ideas that we've we've come up with. 
because um, I also thought it was really interesting when he talks about the the colonial brain is all about um, uh, it's well I, I'll just tell you it's a mind of dominion control it's male centered it's white bodied and it's all about wealth building and that that's kind of our our foundation of our country uh, and because if you look at wealth building that's it's all about it's what's going on and so that's the greed and so this mind is uh, uh, just imbued with greed and hatred and ignorance it's it's elevated it's celebrated and when you, you bring a contemplative practice, you're going against that, and you're and you're bringing a a, a a a mind state that says that's not okay, that's not okay. And so I think that's a really important point for me. It's really helpful to understand these things, and I love neuroscience, and I love how it supports these contemplative practices. And so when I read that, or I heard him talking about that, it was really extraordinary. There was another um, talk by Larry Ward, who is also a, a meditation teacher, a Dharma teacher, and he talked about that, uh, the same type of thing. He His talk is called, it's brand new, it just came out, it's called Black Lives Matter as a Doorway to Liberation. So he talks about the same type of thing. It's you can I think you can probably find it if you Google it or email me and I will send you the links. Um, anyway, so... These mindfulness practices are imperative. Cultivating self-compassion and kindness for ourselves and kindness and compassion for others. It's a way to um, really start making inroads on ending suffering. And the more I practice compassion and kindness for myself, the more I can be kind and compassionate to others. And, and the less fearful we are. We can do things because I've talked about this. Um, we're not afraid of, of our feelings. We're not afraid of the emotions. That's the that's the equanimity that comes. You know, it's like this balance. It's like, what is it? I can I can handle it. What is it? I can hold it. I can make space for whatever is present. The darkest, darkest, scariest moments. I know how to open towards it. The grief, the fear. The despair, I know how to hold it because of this practice. We're training our minds to hold it. We're training our hearts, our heart mind. We're training our bodies to feel it. It's so important to do this. Absolutely important. Um, and I, 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 I'll mention it now, but joy is also in there too. We can't deny that there's great joy as well. It's not all just, there's joy. And so we have to be present for whatever is. And so, you know, just touch on these these four Brahma Viharas. There's loving kindness. So it's an overarching frame of mind, which is a frame of mind of goodwill. We just want to carry that goodwill. I talked a few weeks ago about implicit memory, which are those memories that we don't remember, but that's our conditioning and that uh, that is our how we see the world and so when we cultivate loving kindness we're displacing the the implicit memories that might be fearful or uh, un, un, um, not beneficial with a, a framework of goodwill 
and read read Rick Hansen's book Buddha's Brain, and he talks about how that all works. That's again neuroscience. Um, when we cultivate compassion, we allow the pain and suffering in. It's that aversion to it that actually um, doubles down and intensifies it. It makes it worse. If we're fighting, 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 it just it just gets worse and worse and worse because we can't hide from it. It's going to follow us. That baggage, we're going to be dragging that baggage until we're in the ground. And then we'll be dragging it in the next lifetime, apparently. So just just start getting rid of it now. Yeah. Uh, joy. Like I said, don't miss the joy. Don't miss the joy. It's here. It's 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 present if you wake up to it, which is why gratitude practice is so important to take the time to be present for what what sweetness is right here. You know, you can find it in your house, in your home right now, whatever it is in your heart. Um, and don't judge it. Don't judge it. It's it's how can I be happy when it's like because it's here. Experience it. Trust me, it'll pass because everything's impermanent. Everything's impermanent. Everything is impermanent. Even the grief and the despair is impermanent. Um, and then equanimity. It's this intimacy with ourselves in all our iterations. It's an intimacy with our shadow side, with our darkest, scariest bits. All those things we're afraid to talk about. You know, all those things that we're ashamed of. We're willing to be intimate. We're willing to hold it and we're willing to bring tenderness to it. You know, we're, you know, those things that, ah, uh, that we still cringe over instead of the story, we tend to the feeling that's in our body when we think about it. We're kind, we're gentle, we're compassionate. And so we're able to be, we're able to hold the darkest, scariest places and the brightest, shiniest places. We have that capacity. We build it on the cushion slowly 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 practice 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 a breath in a breath out a breath in a breath out that's what we do um so i i can't stress enough the importance of being gentle and kind to ourselves it's it, it's incredibly important it's it's so very important um even just a little bit, just watching your vocabulary, watching those stories, being kind, watching when you're judging and let go of it. Doing the formal practice is really helpful. You know, the formal practice of, of reciting phrases, may I be happy, may I be healthy. Because what you're doing is you're softening your heart and doing the formal practice for others. It's not wishing magic pixie dust. It's not magic pixie dust where you're throwing things at them and they're going to live happily ever after. It's a softening of your heart toward other folk. So um, those are those are my thoughts on this really important uh, practice. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org 
backslash support. Thank you.